Hey, I'm Verite, and you're listening to Anatomy of an Artist, a podcast about people, the art they create, and the business behind their art. Good morning, and welcome back to another episode of Anatomy of an Artist. My guest this week is a songwriter, producer, A&R, with her own publishing venture, Jenna Andrews. Most recently, Jenna is responsible for the new BTS single, Butter, which has been number one on the Billboard charts for the last seven weeks. I was so excited to be able to catch up with Jenna to talk about her genesis as a songwriter, how she transitioned into writing and producing for others, how she works with women to try and be the example that she didn't have when she was starting out, and so much more. There is so much in this conversation, so I hope you guys enjoy. Ready? I actually can cut that other intro in, um, but I'm just going to start with how are you and and how have you been in this time? I just think so much has changed in my life. I feel like it's just been like a significant chapter flip. And like for me personally, I feel like I've kind of like rediscovered who I who I am again, which has been really great for me. Like I feel like this time has really allowed me to really understand what I want and focus on the right things. Because I just think before, I think it was more like being a robot and just running around and just doing things, not really knowing why you're doing them. But now I feel like just having the time to really just identify the things that really matter and, and that actually, you know, make you happy and shit. Like I've been able to focus on, and that's been, that's been a blessing throughout this this time. So I feel, I actually feel really good. Tired. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tired and on the verge always of a little bit of burnout, but, but functioning, but it, it's really funny that you, you say, you know, kind of before all of this, you felt like you were maybe on autopilot and, and a little bit robotic because I feel like in the music industry, sometimes, right, it's it's like a um, it's like a treadmill. You're always moving forward and there are these expectations of this is what you should do. This is, you know, this path forward. And, and what I love about you and your career is you've really diversified and I think subverted a lot of what traditionally success would look like. And so I'm really curious before you start started out on your journey what was your idea of success growing up thank you first of all that that means a lot coming from you because obviously I respect you a lot and again before we were started this today it's like talking about you know in spot being inspired by other like badass women and this in this industry is like huge for me but I mean honestly I started wanting to be an artist I think very similar to a lot a lot actually I don't even know maybe it isn't true I mean I I feel like for me at least because I didn't grow up in a musical like my parents weren't musicians and I didn't grow up in a family that was like, you know, part of the industry. So I feel like I was pretty unfamiliar that with everything else or all the other parts you could play, you know? So how are you supposed mm-hmm. to be like a kid being like, I want to be, you know, not a music publisher. Like you don't really think that way when you're like six, you know, but it was, but for me, you know, it was definitely being an artist and, you know, singing really. It was just like from jump, like literally I started classical training when I was like five, you know, so (laughs) I've done it. I've really done this as long as like, I even remember. 
Do you know what I mean? Like that feeling of just like, yeah. I feel like it's so in me that I'm like, oh my God, I don't even know how to exist in this planet without doing music. Like, it's so weird. Like, I feel like I, it's such, it's so me to the point where like, I remember the first time that I learned, taught myself my first song on piano more than I remember like other, you know, formative moments as a child. But I remember the music moments. So it's so ingrained in in who I am. And I think it's it's funny and... I was I was similar in that I was born innately ambitious to like pursue music and I don't know where that came from but it's just like from the young age you know I started performing when I was like eight and I was just like I'm gonna do this but but similar to you I had no context for what that could actually look like when you were kind of trying to pursue music on a more practical level like what was your initial understanding of the music industry and and did you view it as a viable career path oh I mean for me I think it was more like I think I was just kind of learning as I went my first real thing I think into like really trying to like you know I guess hustle my way into like certain doors you know what I mean that was that was more in high school, like before that, I did a lot of stuff as a kid. Like I did Sesame Street. I don't know if you remember, there was like an, a, the character, like his name was Bob McGrath. He was kind of like Mr. Rogers, but we did like stage shows with him. I was like in a traveling like youth choir and we traveled all around like, you know, Canada, the US. And I did a lot of stuff like that as a kid. But in terms of like the hustle mentality and really trying to like, I don't know, you know what kind of your brain switches. And I think like, like both yeah. of us are saying, I think we just have like, an intuitiveness for both music, but also just like the hustle. Not every musician has that, right? It's like, but, but yeah. So I think for me, it would be like, oh, uh, I would like see online whoever was going to be performing in Calgary where I'm from. And I would go and ask, find the promoter and, and, and ask if I could sell tickets. If I sell, sold enough tickets, can I open for the artist? And so I would start meeting promoters and start doing that. And I just started doing that at like 16. And actually before that, I was, I, I started, I mean, I started writing when I was like 13, 14 and I would actually, so that's maybe when the hustle started. I'm just like thinking about it. I'm like, and I would like submit my mm-hmm. demos. It's just like funny, but I would just like find some random studio in Calgary and, and, and you know, um, so yeah, that was sort of like the beginning of, of the hustle for me really, which I, I think is a big part of learning how to actually function in this business, you know? Yeah. One thing I'm really grateful for, like in my own life, is that that hustle is innate. Like I was born with it. You know what I mean? Like it is in my blood. And and when I look back, I start to realize how not properly directed my hustle was at different stages of my life. It's just like I know I need to work, but like I don't actually know what I'm working towards other than like putting one foot in front of another. But like you said, you learn as you go. And Looking back at at that time, what was your first introduction to the music industry proper where you felt like, okay, there's some definitive end to this? Yeah. So I actually went to, did a year of journalism broadcast as a degree at Mount Royal College. I remember the professor at the time, like I was like, oh, I need to be doing music. And and my parents wanted me to finish the degree. So they were like, you can leave if, if they allow you to do, you know, keep doing the degree online. So I, I ended up moving to Vancouver when I was 19. And, but like, I was super broke, of course, like literally had nothing. And I just like packed up my car and drove to Vancouver and, you know, slept on somebody's couch. And basically in that time period, 
like sometimes I like literally could not afford, like I I was living like an hour outside of the city where I was working the studio. And I was also working at a restaurant. And some of the times like I couldn't like afford gas money literally to get back. So I would like sleep in my car and like write songs. Anyway, I put a song up on MySpace, which is so funny to even say MySpace, but that's the story. <laughs> and um, that's how my first like real manager discovered me. And, and uh, then I ended up moving to Toronto and signing to Island Def Jam. So that's probably, that was like a, a big turning point. How do you feel like being in in Canada and like in Toronto Pacific benefited you? Because I know like the Toronto scene is such a tight knit group of musicians and it's kind of different. But like, how did it benefit you to be in that scene and that group of people and network? Ooh, love that question. Um, I always I always mention this because I think I'm so freaking grateful for that, to be honest, because. I feel that creating in a place outside of the US, like I didn't even know what that was like to, to create in LA until I, you know, got signed and did all that thing. But I'm, I think had I done it differently, I would have, my path would have been completely different. And it, it kind of protects you and shields you from what we talked about earlier in terms of all the politics. And, you know, it's, it, of course there's politics, but it's different. You know what I mean? And it's like, it allows you to sort of be in a bubble and, I think it's similar to sort of why I like living in New York half the time too, because uh, it's yeah. more LA than it is a US thing. It's it's definitely like you go to LA and it's like, if you're not careful and you're not really confident and ready, it can just like, it's like a suction cup. It's like, and then it gets you and you're sucked in. <laughs> it's like, you know what I mm-hmm. mean? And I think um, being in Toronto was just great because I feel like it allowed me to properly develop without feeling like crazy pressure, which I think LA does too, you know? Um, not worrying about what scene you're in and like who you know and you know how far you've got like it's just all these things didn't even really occur to me it was all about the music um and it was I was really fortunate because I got to come up with a lot of amazing like um guys like you know I I remember like me and Boy Wanda literally like working in his like basement and I like me recording in his bathroom like in bathtub and the <laughs> mic you know what I mean like and I love those stories because like I look at like or Drake 40 like all those guys and that was my crew coming up and I'm so grateful for that because I got to you know see his journey too and it's just so amazing to see your friends like become that like it's insane you know what I mean it, it doesn't even feel like real life yeah. And I think that you get to have like a focus on the music versus the focus on the industry and the politics out the gate. And I think that that is really important because I think a lot of people, especially now, because we have so much access, right, it's really easy easy to become disillusioned with like the promises the industry makes you. And really, it's about the music and it's about the craft and it's, you know, about being a great songwriter or a great producer or a great artist, whatever that looks like for you know, any individual. A hundred percent. And that's, yeah, exactly. And I think, I think talented people and like, like-minded creatives, let's call it, find each other in life, you know, cause it's, it, it is really interesting in my journey. I'm sure it's been similar to you. Is that like, wherever I've, wherever I've gone, I've met like the most, like, it's so crazy. Like I, I remember me and Carly Rae Jepsen met each other when we were like 17 too. And and she became like became what she became and it's so cool and I'm like out of all the people I could meet in these cities like I'm just like whoa and I but I don't think it's coincidence because I think it's just like you're supposed that's how the universe works you're supposed to like us you know what I mean like we're all supposed to meet like that's the thing like we're all these aliens that just 
find each other in life because we're all connected in our in our souls and i think it's it's really special can you, all of us go through things right but at the end of the day i think i don't need like yes talent rises up to the like rises above but but even like just intention i guess like intention or mm-hmm. just like if you really in your gut know this is what you're supposed to do and what you're this is what you're here for you'll meet the right people and you'll win to some regard. You know what I mean? Like whatever that means for you and what success means, success doesn't have to be so blunt. doesn't have to mean like famous, rich, whatever people think it is. Right. It's not, it's just, but it's some version of success is what I'm saying. And I think it's, it's, it's whether how many times you get beaten down by this industry and everyone's gone through it. It's like, you're still, it's like the universe still picked you to be part of that squad. And I, and I think that's pretty cool. So I feel, always think of that, you know, like, and we're, we're lucky to be in that. And I think we meet like-minded people, um, along the way. And I think it's, it's special if that makes sense. No, absolutely. And I think like the world is small and like the music industry is smaller and probably the music industry in Canada is even smaller. <laughs> right. And so it is, so it is, it's like you, you start to get down, but I, I, I want to kind of go back to, to your signing with Island Def Jam. Okay. And, and I'm really curious because you were signed for a lot of years, but you didn't release so much music under that deal. And so I'm so curious, what was your expectation when signing and and I know you auditioned um which was a thing that used to happen like with with these labels and like <laughs> what that process was like and and what your expectation of the label and your career was when you signed yeah it's so weird right like so crazy that that's what used to happen for sure but um <laughs> well no okay so literally it was like when I was in Toronto my manager who found me on MySpace or whatever it was this guy Chris Smith he, it was literally as simple as the song that I put on MySpace that he found me on. He sent to LA Reed and they were like, and you know, this happened, like fly her down immediately. Okay, cool. And I literally had not, you know, it was like one of those things. Cool. Literally flew, got on a plane the next day, went to the office, sat there with like LA and like two other people from the label. And then like my management or whatever played did I play one or two songs? I played like one and a half songs, one song. And then a half of another one. He's like, he's like, he, he just like, LA is very, um, when he wants to sign somebody, he's very much like kind of like close all the doors. You're not leaving. You're standing right now. Da, da, da. Like he basically like cut me off halfway through the song. And he was like, let's do this. Like you're signing right now, blah, blah, blah. And literally just made it this whole event. You know what I mean? And as a, as a kid, you're like, you literally think that you're going to become like, the biggest star in the world. Like you just, how would you know? Like for me, I didn't grow up. Yeah. I didn't grow up with enough knowledge on this, you know, how this industry actually worked. But I'm like, I made it. Let's go. Like, you know, and it's just so funny because legitimately he was like, you know, he does like a lock the door type of vibe. It was like, you're not leaving till you sign. It was like, I literally signed that day. And it was like this whole thing where they're like, the last time this happened, it was, Rihanna was the last person this happened to. And then later you're like, oh my God, like, I can't believe I fucking believe that shit. Like I'm sitting here like, I'm going to be the next, like, and, um, you know, you get like money and then you spend it too fast because you think, oh yeah, I'm going to like, I'm going to have this money forever. And then it's just like, and also for me, I didn't come like, you know, I grew up in a like middle-class family or whatever, but I wasn't like used to having like, you know, it was just 
not a ton of money. So just to me, I never really, I'm not good. Like I was never great with money. So it's like, I never had, a, so when you have a bunch of it, you just spend it. You just don't, you're just like, Oh, let's go. Mm. And then, uh, soon to realize that's not exactly how it works, but yeah, it was also a different time in terms of streaming. Like obviously now with streaming, it's like in, in order to keep relevant, you have to com- continue to release music, you know, like it's just, it's just not a thing not to put something out like at least once a month and just to be continually feeding your fan base and stuff. So then it was more like, it was such a different style of the music business. Like they, they wanted to protect. It was like that old school, like mentality of like protecting the artist and not letting, like having them mm-hmm. sit in a glass box, you know what I mean? And it's like, what you're like a wind up toy. Nobody can really know who you are, which is crazy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, but that's how it felt. So it was like, Oh, we, we don't want to put this, like, let's do a shit ton of photo shoots, spend a ton of money. Like I literally made three records and none of them came out. You know what I mean? It's just like, that wouldn't happen today because a label today would be like, Oh, why are we, if we're going to spend all this money, we might as well try to make something back from it. Right. Why would we keep it? But then Mm -hmm. it was like, Oh no, let's, let's like, let's like make sure that everything's airtight and everyone overthinks and wants to protect the artists and keep it mysterious. But now it's like, everyone puts everything on the table. Right. And a label would never pay for three albums and not pay. Any, like, it doesn't even matter if you're a rec- like, listen, you could put out as a new artist on a label, put out, you know, a, a, like a, a grip of records and none of them stream, but you're going to, that label's still going to want to continue to try if they put a lot of that kind of money into you, because why wouldn't they want to get like, try to get back their investment? Cause today's world, you could literally put out a song today and it blows up next year or the year after, you know what I mean? Like you don't put like, in that style of where we were in the music business back then, it just, it didn't work like that. Well, and, and it's your glass box uh, metaphor is, is I think really appropriate because I think it was right. The artist is in a glass box, like artistically, like from the fans, right? Because they need to be the quote unquote star, but also on the back end and on the business side, right? The, the further you are away from like knowledge of what is in your contracts and knowledge of, you know, the money being spent by the label, you know, kind at your expense, because all of that is essentially debt, right, is is better for can be better for those structures, right. And I think that what where we've landed now is artists have a lot of so much more access to like education and knowledge surrounding what am I signing that, you know, essentially, we have democratized music creation and distribution, right with streaming. And so artists are in a position where they can be so much more empowered. But I also recognize that like, traditionally, that's not how it was. You know, the music industry is is really built on those mirrors and that delusion of like, promises of grandeur that of course we believe because especially people like you and I, we're hustlers. Like this is what we want and this is what we've been working for forever. Yeah. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And I, and I think that that's why, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why, you know, especially with a pop star, it has to be so young, you know, the naivety part of it is a, is a big part of it. You know, mm. obviously there's a lot of other aspects, but think about it. If you knew now what you, you know, and brought it to your you know, 16 year old kid, it's like, come on, you'd be invincible. <laughs> yeah. I mean, why do you think I started this podcast? Right. Cause, cause I, I, I have a desire that, you know, I had no education and there were, were no resources for a practical education of what it actually is like right. to be 
an artist or be, you know, successful in a creative business. And so much of this is learning on the job. And so, you know, we're constantly presenting our best veneer on socials, but like this shit's hard and this shit's a grind. And, you know, if I can help one person, you know, not make the same terrible mistakes that I've made, (laughs) I've done, I've done my job. Yes, girl, I, I feel you on that. Like so major, like that's how I feel too. And that's why that's why I work with so many females, to be honest, young, like up and coming female artists, because I feel not that I necessarily make that a goal. I'm not like, oh, I can't exclusively work. <laughs> like, I'm not just like, oh, mm-hmm. like, I, I, I'm not doing that. But I think intuitively, maybe that's just something that means a lot to me, because I think I can help them as like a big sister role and really help, um, I guess, navigate a path that feels healthier. And like, obviously things have changed a lot, but some things haven't changed. And I think to protect and guard them from that is really important. And it makes me feel good to be able to help that process because it's, it's really positive. I mean, another experience for me being signed to the label when I was signed, it was all older men. Like, I don't think I had any women that were really that involved, (laughs) you know? So not even like, you know, a big sister type of like, but anyone, like, you know what I mean? Like maybe a couple, but like, not really. Yeah. Not in a meaningful role, but I am curious, like at the end of your tenure, you know, being signed to Island after making three records, none of them coming out. When did you realize that you and that label were not the partnership and, and how did that attribute to your pivoting into, you know, writing for other people, world building for other people, and eventually kind of like becoming this power executive that maybe you should have had. So it's really funny because I basically, so I actually work now with Barry Weiss um, on my publishing venture, but also consult for him at his record label called Records. And the reason I bring that up is to say, it's funny when I, so he, when LA Reid left, Island Def Jam uh, and went to Epic, Barry Weiss came in and I actually had to showcase again for Barry, which is hilarious. Mm -hmm. Um, And he was the head of the label for two years. And I remember I did a showcase, um, which is honestly, it was like the worst situation because anyway, the band, it was so bad. I played like LA So House or whatever. And it was like, it was like last minute band. It sounded so fucking bad. And when I tell you the entire industry came out, like I'm talking like it was ridiculous. It was just a nightmare. But anyway, the reason I'm telling this whole story is because the next day I got dropped. I love it. And it was like, and we always tell a story because now it's like literally Barry dropped me, but I'm working with him now. It's like totally all love. It wasn't even like at the time, obviously it was like very much like, holy shit, because I did not see that coming, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. And not to say that like, obviously like being shelved a couple times and like not like shelved. It's so funny that, but like, yeah, that was a thing too. But you never really think because you, especially when you're on a label for so long, and this is all you've done in your life. Like you, you're, you can be unhappy with the situation. It's the same thing as being in a long relationship. And I guess you're not feeling happy, but it's scary to like, feel like you're actually going to walk away. Like, I don't like, even though I know that that was the right thing and it was better, way better for me, clearly. Um, at the time it was, it was obviously heartbreaking in the sense. It's like, what the fuck? Like, what am I going to do? But actually full circle onto the writing tip, like, um, so 40, uh, Noah Shabib, um, he called me like, so like, like very, like maybe like a couple weeks or month after 
the label, like I left the label, which is so crazy with the universe. And it was like, oh, I'm developing this project called Magic Jordan uh, on OVO. Would you want to help? And I was like, yeah, they're amazing. So I went to Toronto for like a year and or like six months or so. I don't even remember something like that. But like basically went back and forth. But that was my first real like experience with writing outside with um, another artist and also just like kind of playing like an executive producer role without even kind of knowing I was doing it <laughs> you know like mm-hmm. you know because I was like I was helping with like the vocal production well, I was doing the vocal production and and helping obviously writing the songs and just like just in it in the early stages and I just was like wow I really love this like a lot and that was so mm-hmm. that's why the universe collides because like wow that relationship carried on and it came in such an amazing time where I was just like oh my god like what am I going to do now and then that came and I, it just sort of like okay cool well I like this let's keep it going <laughs> like I didn't know like that's just the universe saying like hey here you go you know what I mean on a silver platter like it's not like you even it wasn't like I was like okay this is my next plan I didn't plan for it, it just happened yeah I love equating like the label relationship to an actual relationship because you're so right. I think that uh, I'm I'm really bad at leaving <laughs> just like <laughs> as a uh, as a, as a human. And so like sometimes when something ends, we're so conditioned to think like why like that shouldn't have happened because we can be really comfortable in certain situations, yeah. but recognizing that like that ended to make room for like something else to begin, I think is a really nice sentiment. Like how much of your transition to like behind the scenes in the industry, executive producing, writing for other people, being an A&R, you know, like in publishing was planned out and how much of it was literally one foot in front of the other and saying yes and kind of taking opportunities as they came to you. Everything was one foot in front of the other. Nothing was planned. Absolutely not. Like none of it. I mean, legitimately, the only plan was ever to be an artist, literally. And I don't think you ever stop. When you're an artist, you don't stop being an artist. I'm still an artist. You know what I mean? Like that's really what I am, but I'm just doing this other stuff. You know what I mean? So, but in terms of my expression, um, but yeah, I know not, nothing was ever planned. And like I said, that happened. Right. And then, you know, it, it, it's just kept happening, I guess. And, how, and having situations keep falling into my lap and being like, wow, okay, this works. And like, I guess learning from people that I respect, you know, like a lot of, I heard, you know, people would be like, it's better to be you know, obviously this is just, everybody knows this, but it's like the big fish in the little pond. It's like, listen, if you want to climb your way up, it's easier to start in, in a, in a, in a pool that's less people are trying to do. Right. So at Mm -hmm. the end of the day, it's the same way that like songwriters have their first hit and then they go sign a record deal because it's like, okay, cool. I wrote myself a hit. So like, let me have my own hit now. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's just, you're basically just paving the way you're creating a name for yourself. Cause once you have brand identification, it's just like, people recognize your name. So they want to fuck with you. That's the first step, right? It doesn't really matter in what arena it is. Just, you know, throw different irons at the fire and people say, oh, don't be a jack of all trades. You can't be good at everything. And it's not about that. Because I always say, it doesn't mean that you're, you're doing a worse job at one other job. Like I'm not, you know, making my vocal production suffer because I'm A&Ring this project. It's like, no, you have to just be, you know, cognitive of your time when you're spending it on, on that particular job. So if, if I have, Hey, today I need to spend this many hours on vocal producing this, or this is how much I'm going to dedicate to, you know, or I'm taking on three projects that I can A&R executive produce. And that's realistic. It's just really about like balancing, you know? Yeah. I, I, I think that especially today, it's really important to like 
you're creating an ecosystem, right? Where everything in an ideal world is going to complement each other. So like all of the work that you're doing, songwriting, all of the work that you're doing, you know, on the publishing and A&R side, like it's, it's going, it's feeding into your artistry, whether that artistry is focused on yourself and your music, that's like, you know, personal to you, Jenna Andrews, or if it's, music that you're writing for other people it's like it's it's world building and I think that there's like there's a really beautiful art in my mind to the balance of creation and business and I think that you know in the world that we live in that's like really necessary to build a sustainable career a hundred percent I just think again it's like being able to continue to challenge yourself and Mm -hmm. continue to, I feel like when you put restrictions on yourself or think, oh yeah, like that doesn't work this way or doesn't do like, it's just, it can definitely hinder you. And another thing I I, I've noticed too, is like, well, I've not noticed, this is not like an epiphany, but like, obviously (laughs) with people, it's like, they get, it gets lost when ego is a really, really dangerous thing for people in this business, because it's like, they don't want to, necessarily do something because they think oh it's gonna like make them look better like their e- like you know what I mean like their ego is, is is deciding it but it shouldn't be about that it should be about um production and what you're like, ac- like the actual job that you're doing right it should be about um like I was saying that on clubhouse last night I think right I was just like yeah, yeah. it should be it really should just be about the outcome it shouldn't be about all those other type of things and I think oftentimes it ends up being that people just think so much um about it along that journey that it blocks them to even get to the end result, which I think is really not productive. You know what I mean? So, um, so I think that, I think you just have to have like, I I think you just have to have an open mind and be able to, yeah, again, it's the, the best thing I can say is challenge yourself, but also be careful that like one thing that I would say too, is as advice to myself, but to other people too, is like to recognize when it isn't making you happy or you no longer feel like your time is being spent wisely. Cause I've been in those situations where I feel again, scared to let go of it because I think, Oh, well, what if, or what if, what if, but then you realize when you let go something, another door open that will be, you know what I mean? And I think that can be also dangerous. So I'm all, I'm, I'm learning as I go still and I will continue to do so. You know what I mean? That's, that's, that's the beauty of this job. I think. Yeah. I think like not holding on to, ideas too tightly is important for me right because I I, I have a tendency to be like a bit rigid uh, with myself and like what I'm capable of doing or what I want to be doing etc and I think that we we live in a world where you know artists need to be not only artists but also songwriters also producers also social media managers etc you know every producer I know is a producer and is doing music for television etc like we're all wearing these different hats and it's just figuring out like what hats do you want to be wearing and especially for for songwriters like obviously in the digital era of music right we're working towards more fair compensation for songwriters, but I'm, I'm curious, like, do you view songwriters right as needing to kind of ex- also expand their skill set into like vocal production and executive production, similar to what you have, like, and just recognizing that the, the act of songwriting can be so much more 
than just sitting in a room in a session and writing the song? I think so. Yeah, because, uh, you know, most songwriters, I mean, let's say a lot of songwriters that I know, which you probably would understand, end up vocal producing the demos anyway. Right. And yeah, exactly. And, and the thing is, is what I learned is so many years doing that. And then you send it to the label and then the producer gets paid and, and everyone's happy. And then they take your vocals and, and you get the cut, but then maybe it's not the single, but like you end up and that's, and that's why we're in the place we are in terms of songwriters not being treated fairly. But I think, you know, you, we just have to be, uh, we just have to know how to monetize our assets. And that's something that I really learned because I was like, well, I'm already doing it. So the thing is you do have control to be like, okay, well, no, what, you know what I vocal produce this. And if you want these vocals, mm -hmm. then you have to pay me. If not, re-record them. And then they'll go re-record them. They won't sound as good. And guess what? They'll be back. They'll be back asking for you to have the vocals. So like, that's really how I learned. Because I was like, oh, shit, I'm doing this anyway. And I'm not getting paid. So like, no, that's not going to happen anymore. So yeah, wow, wow, of course it's smart. You know what I mean? It's just like whatever you're, the, all the value you're adding. And my friend actually told me a, a, like a great um, piece of it, like a diamond gem of, information that I was like oh my god you're so right he's like think about it like with all these new artists that you're guiding basically they're buying like 10 years experience it's like saying hey I just bought my doctorate mm -hmm. and I'm just gonna give you all of my knowledge for free it's like how much do you pay for a yeah. fucking doctorate how, like you know you, you go to Princeton and however much that you know what I mean it's just like okay cool like that's the equivalent I'm literally giving you 10 years of my experience that's worth something so why shouldn't I get a point on that record you know what I mean yeah Yo, I think that that is so apt. And, and, and I, I think that this is also, um, you know, being women in the industry, yeah. right? At, we are so acculturated to expect less and think that, you know, oh, I'm not going to take on, I'm not going to like own my contributions and I'm not going to demand compensation for my contributions. Because right. um, that's how society essentially conditions us. And then there's a negative connotation associated with doing that, right? Where it's like, oh, but like pushy, bossy, yes. all of those words, oh. like aggressive, et cetera. And it's like, well, no, I, I fucking produced the record. Like I programmed the drums. I All of the synth parts are like I produced it. And, and it's the same. It's like I vocal produced this. If you want to use these vocals, pay me. If not, go do it better. Exactly. And if you can respect, right? But but somehow this idea that like we're expected to do things for free or fully on spec, while the male counterparts to what we're doing are expect they're they're demanding compensation, they're demanding the payment up front, et cetera. And so I think it's like retraining ourselves and then the women around us to be like, no, this is what I did, this is what I think it's worth. Let's have a conversation. By the way, a hundred percent. And I'm, I'm becoming more and more like that because I'm just like, it's bullshit. It really is bullshit. I see it happen all the time where you're like, okay, I've legitimately accomplished so much more than this person. And like a male, you know, whatever it may be, a male songwriter executive, but like they're automatically respected more. And you're like, why? Like how, why is this a thing? You know what I mean? And in the minute that you it's, it's, you know, you say the same thing that they do and demand that, let's say a male calls a male executive, Hey bro, like I'm going to, they're going to be like, of course, tell me when for a female, they're going to fucking take, take you around the fucking block 10 times before, you know, you get what you want at the end of the day. So I was like, that's so fucked up. It, it's just, it's, just, mm -hmm. and it, it's, and it is so, it isn't a cliche and it really does happen. Cause like you, you're passionate 
and you go in for yourself and you're like, listen, I deserve this. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, calm down, calm down. I think you're, you're good. And like, if you fucking tell me to calm, bro, if you tell me to calm down, I'm legit going to smack you in your fucking face. Like, do not tell me to calm down because you calm down about that. You calm down. (laughs) Yeah. It's just ridiculous. It really is. Like, I don't even know. Like, it truly is ridiculous. Like, I can't even go on this tangent. (laughs) Well, and I do think that this kind of ties back to, you know, your work A&Ring uh, both on the the master side, like the recording yeah. side, and also on the publishing side, yeah. setting up sessions with this desire of, I don't know, being the advocate that probably you wish you had and I wish I had when we were trying to navigate this mm-hmm. stuff. And be and and I think that a lot of this, while while you learn through experience, you can also like lead by example and and that kind of I don't know, we can usher in, I think, a whole new generation of badass empowered women who like demand compensation and respect, etc. But like, you know, I had no knowledge or, you know, person to look up to when I was coming up, I barely knew what was going on. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And that's, and that's how I feel too. I mean, the people that I looked up to were, you know, like artists, I mean, just people that you would naturally look up to in like the media and stuff. Like, I, I don't think that like I knew, I don't know that I had, I mean, I guess, yeah. I mean, I, I, I guess my, definitely my, my first manager, Chris Smith, I looked up to for sure, but I don't, I don't like in terms of having like a female, which I think would have been amazing to have had, because I think again, that look at what you're saying, like this, these kind of just the way to treat situations. I just don't think as, as, um, as amazing. Okay. How do I say it? Like you can be an amazing man, right? Like incredible person, whatever it is there, they do exist. Okay. Like, even if you're that, I still mm-hmm. don't think that they know like we do. Like they just no. don't, they don't know. They can't relate. It doesn't matter how good they are. Like, you know, they could be good, but they don't get it. And it's not, it's, I, I, it's like systematic, you know, like this is something that they just don't understand. And that's fine. And it's amazing if they're willing to understand there are men out there in this industry that are willing to understand and listen to us, listen to our voices and also like contribute to help change, you know? So I'm not saying that every fucking man is a bad guy in our industry because that's not the truth at all. But I just think that like in terms of looking up to somebody for a female artist to have, I just don't, I don't know that that exists to be honest as a man. I just don't think that they can possibly give the right advice in certain situations period. Well, and is that how you view your role as an A&R in helping to develop the careers of the people that you're you're working with? I guess like how do you build that trust with someone to create a shared vision for a project? Yeah. Um honestly, the best way I could always I always try to describe it is like again, like a relationship, you know, it's like mm-hmm. you you have chemistry or you don't right and if you yeah. have chemistry there's going to be a natural bond and and to me that just happens very like it's all pretty natural in terms of the learning curve like so that that part is just doesn't matter about experience the bond is just something that is the universe telling us that you know that's supposed to be but and then from there you build the trust really right because they are already trust you um musically and you know i guess even as a person, right? Because like, again, that is what it, you go on a blind date and you're like, oh, or whatever, it's, or you, you just meet 
<laughs> but you just like meet somebody and you know what I mean? It's like you have instant connection. You're like, oh my God, I like love you. I don't like, I just know I love you, you know? And, mm-hmm. and as you grow that relationship, those things just come, just come with it. So it's, I think that's always something for me. And I think if that chemistry isn't there, then you, it's like what I, again, I, I've learned and I'm continuing to learn because it is hard to say when you've been like shot down so many times, sometimes there's great opportunities, but when there's no chemistry, you have to force yourself to say no. And it is trust. It's like, I'm like the worst person to be saying this because I feel like it's very hard for me to say no. Um, but, mm-hmm. but I, think it's really important because if you don't have that chemistry, the trust won't be there. And trust is, is so important. And that's, and that's how I accomplish it because when they trust you and and you trust each other, then of course, if you have ideas, um, there, it's going to be more collaborative and they won't fight it because they're like, Oh, of course, like you get it. Like you get me, you know what I mean? Like, why, why would you, you be suggesting this idea? Like, I know you, I know you want the best for me. I know like, so even though I don't necessarily hear it, I'm down to try it. And I think that that is the key to good collaboration. It's it's because it, I because I understand like I you know obviously the majority of my writing is, is is for myself, and in rare instances I I have intimacy issues so I have trouble like finding long term writing partners right because I'm just so insular, but it is this sense of like when you trust that somebody is pulling you out of your box and pulling you out of your shell, but they're doing so because they see like a greater vision for you yeah or like they just see that like see it from a different angle that trust is so important because it's it's really vulnerable it's vulnerable to kind of be coming from this really insular place and to push yourself out of your comfort zone and you need to be with someone where you know like they're not gonna laugh at you if you fuck it up right and you know it's like yeah I mean it's really that (laughs) oh my god actually like thank you for saying that that's major though that's actually major because that that is what it is it's not even like it's just like not not laugh at you, not judge you. You know what I mean? Like, cause the best yeah. we know the best fucking ideas. And I'm sure like you and me, like in our careers, the best ideas or best songs come out of the mistakes, right? Like you could be like, Oh my, you know, the, it could be the worst idea you've ever heard. And you say it, everyone's like, Oh my God, that's the fucking title of the song or whatever it is. Right. But you have yeah. to be brave enough to be able to say that. Cause if you're embarrassed to say those type of things, how are you going to get the genius shit? You won't. Yeah, exactly. Because you're just going to be holding back the whole time. Because if you make one mistake, then everyone's going to be like, oh my God, she sucks. But it's just like, really? Mm-hmm. Like, no, like, but, but like, totally. That, and that's how still happens. It's tough because it's, and it is energy. Because like, you could walk into mm-hmm. a room, right? And that's what I'm saying about LA. Everyone wants you to fail, like from junk. It's like almost like, you know, those situations where everyone's looking mm-hmm. at you, like, who is this? Who is this? Like, okay, like, you better show up, you know, and you go on the, you go on the booth and it's like, okay, like fucking write a hit in two seconds. You know what I mean? Like, bro. and I'm just like, gross. No, like, and, and so I, I feel like as I mature in this business and I learn more, I don't want to avoid those type of situations now because I'm like, why? Like, I don't need to. And I listen, I, I'm in a different place, obviously. And I know for newer you know, songwriters or artists coming up and you have to sort of, you know, pay your dues and stuff like that. But I think uh, what I do think, I, I, I do think that you could still be in situations where that energy exists and you could be like, it's cool. It's not for me. Like, and that's fine yeah. as a new artist. Why would you shouldn't have, you can go elsewhere. You can find other people to create with. It doesn't have to be with people that, you know, make you feel bad, you know? And I feel like I constantly did that because I just wanted to prove to them how good I like, no, I'm good. I'm good. Trust me. I'm good and felt so awful. And I'm like, why did I do that to myself? Like that, that was like, I like was emotionally abusing myself, you know? 
Yeah, well, and I think that for people, well, for someone like me, it, it was this like, because I was so ambitious and because I was hustling so hard, there were definitely moments where there was this feeling of like desperation, yeah. of just like, please notice that like, I'm good, like I'm fucking trying so hard. Yeah. And recognizing that like, we can actually create those spaces for for artists and, and writers and really everyone in, in any sort of creative field, where it's just like, you can see and meet that ambition with like respect. And then you pay and then you pay your dues, et cetera. And not everything is going to work. Um, but I think that's important. Yeah. So I have t- I have two more uh, questions at the at the sunset of our conversation. But I really appreciate you coming on with me. I love the the podcast swap. It's it's a it's a great joy. For me. I know. Um, <laughs> but what's a quality a successful artist has in today's music industry? I think everything that we just talked about, I think it's drive. Yeah. Drive and ambition. I think honestly, in in today's music industry, that's almost more important than talent. Honestly, like I'm not saying that you can be like, you don't have to hone your craft. I mean, obviously if you're doing music, you should be be good at music, but like, I'm not saying like, you know, I'm not saying that like you, you shouldn't have to try or get better at your craft if you're, but if you're driven, you should want to do that anyway. You know what I mean? So I think what what I'm trying to say is you could sing your ass off or be the best songwriter ever, but like have absolutely no drive and have no attention to like actually building your fan base or everything that we need to do in today's music world. Like if you don't do that, I just, I, I don't, I don't, I think it's really hard to build a career in, t- in today's world. I think you have to be driven. You have to constantly be working. You can't be like, Oh, it's cool. Like I'm that good that I could go, you know, to Mexico and just fuck off with my boyfriend and do nothing. I mean, you can't listen. It's, I'm not saying you can't take a vacation, but like, just there's people that I feel like, like genuinely look at it that way. They're like, okay, cool. Like I'm good. I just delivered this song and now I'm like out, like, I'm not going to like, like how we do every day I wake up, I slept, you know, I got back at 5am. Mm-hmm. I woke up at 9am. Like, you know what I mean? This is the grind. This is what you have to me. I'm like, if don't you want this? Like, and for me, yeah. when I feel like I'm working not even 10 times harder, 50 times harder set like than the artist. And I'm like, I can't do this because like, uh, I can't, it's my life too. You know, it's my time and my time's valuable. And if I'm putting more time into you than you're putting into yourself, there's a problem. Oh yeah. I think that, that, that centered motivation of like, no one can care about my project more than me. And when people see how much I care about it and how much effort I put into it, that attracts people, right? 100%. That you're going to have people working 20 times harder because of that. A hundred percent. How much of your success when you look back on your own career do you attribute to hustle? How much do you attribute to talent? And then how much do you attribute to luck? Um, wow, this is a really good one. Wow, I, I love this. I love your questions. Um, okay, so hustle 60. <laughs> oh, I, we're, we're doing straight percentages. I love this shit. Um, hustle 60, talent, talent maybe hustle 50 talent 45 luck five. I don't think I've had that much luck. I'm I'm not, I'm not being like, woe is me. I think that like I have worked Mm -hmm. my fucking ass off and yeah. I love that. I I feel very similarly. I feel (laughs) extremely unlucky yet extremely hard. (laughs) So, you know, it balances itself out. Exactly. And I'm just like, and you know what? I'm waiting for that one little bit of luck. 
And girl. I'm just like, once I get that, I'm fucking go. Same, girl. <laughs> I'm, but yeah, no, a hundred percent. I love that shit. Anatomy of an Artist is a podcast created, recorded, and edited by me, Verite. It was produced by Vanessa Magos with the help of Yesenia Bonilla. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next time.